Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. Before we get into today's podcast episode, I wanted to talk about the Red Yeti membership program, which we launched in the last six months. On this program, members can gain access to discounts of up to 50% off 70 plus startups in the outdoor space. In the last month alone, we've added 10 startups to the platform, and it doesn't look like we're slowing down anytime soon. Our goal is to have hundreds of startups on this platform so that members can go on and discover new brands that really align with their values and take advantage of all the discounts that are offered. In addition, members can apply to become ambassadors for these startups, all from one location. You fill out one form and then you just check which startups you'd like to have it sent to. We also are offering and showcasing all of the brand's new products that they're working on, showcasing prototypes and things like that, so you can really be kept up to date on everything new and unique that they're offering. We also are going to be doing some collaboration with these brands, showcasing some unique limited edition product that's only offered to Ready Yeti members. And lastly, we have a private Facebook group for all active members so that you guys can get to know each other, communicate, hang out, um, and really uh, get to know each other and help us build this movement in the outdoor space. So if you want to check this out, you can head over to readyyeti.com slash members and enter the code Yeti podcast to get your first month free. What is going on, Ready Yeti Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. And on today's episode, I'm sitting down with the founder of Glade Optics, Kurt Nichols. Kurt, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So uh, to jump right into it, uh, Glade Optics, obviously, you you make eyewear, right? Um, yeah. You make goggles and sunglasses. Those are your, your, your two focuses. Um, I wanted to start off, I guess, with, with asking specifically with Glade Optics, what what is it about your company that is so unique and differentiates you from, say, Smith Optics or Oakley or some of the bigger players in the industry? Yeah, it's a question we get all the time. Um, I think in an industry like eyewear that is, you know, hyper competitive and super saturated, um, that, you know, differentiation is something that um, is really important. And what we've done um, that I am, you know, really sort of trying to push in the industry is that we've created this direct to consumer model within the snow sports industry. Um, And by direct to consumer, I mean that we've essentially cut the retail channel out of the supply chain completely. And what this enables us to do is offer a really high quality product at a price point that you're not really going to find um, from the, some of those brands that you mentioned. Um, so really, you're going to get a pair of goggles from us or sunglasses um, that should be sold for you know a couple hundred dollars, 150 200 is what you'll see in retail shops. And we're selling it for $75, $85. Um, so, you know, that's where we view is our sort of like big separation from those bigger guys. Um, and, you know, the crux of the model is sort of, you know, that decision point of standing in a retail shop and having to choose between that really expensive pair of goggles that looks sweet and functions well, or that, you know, really inexpensive $50 pair that has a horrific looking design, or, you know, it's not very durable and it fogs up and sort of wondering like, why are these sort of my only two options here. And after a little bit of digging, it became pretty clear that 
the way the industry is set up right now is that a lot of the retail shop owners, you know, or the big box stores, really sort of wherever you get your goggles, they're going to be buying from the same few brands over and over again because they know it's a safe bet. They know these goggles are going to sell. But this environment this, that this creates is that these brands don't really have to innovate as much as a result. Like the innovation you're going to get every year is sort of the, oh, here's the next generation of lens type thing. You're not going to get innovation on like the pricing structure or the way the business is set up um, or the way that they're involving customers in the process. Um, so we're trying to sort of circumvent that whole channel and offer customers a really sort of new way to buy gear and have a more meaningful relationship with the brand that they're buying from. Because at the end of the day, what our proposition really boils down to is basically like, you know, here's a kick-ass pair of goggles at a price that's a lot lower than you're going to find elsewhere. If you don't like them, you can just send them back for free and we're not going to ask you any questions about it, which is so simple, but so hard for bigger brands to do well and execute on because of that sort of like middleman environment that they've created. Um, and they're not really able to interact with their customers. Like if you're standing in a store and buying a pair of goggles, um, that brand knows nothing about you. You know, they don't know what you like, what you want to see in goggles in the future, et cetera. But the way that we're doing it, we have the ability to get feedback directly from our customers and then involve them in a ton of our product decisions. Um, so I know that was a long-winded answer, but I do think that there's a lot of power in the model that we've created and we've seen the market react, you know, really favorably to it. That's really interesting. So obviously there's a, there's a, you've been thinking about this for a long time before you got it started. I, I want to ask sort of what your, your background is. Um, before you started Glade, did you have any experience in the retail or manufacturing uh, industries? Yeah, so um, I had no experience in retail and manufacturing. Um, the background really, um, I think it sort of goes back to, um, you know, growing up, I was a pretty avid, actually, snowboarder at the time. Um, and it was always sort of a part of my life. And after college, I had got a job um, outside of Boston, a research firm that was basically on a team that was tasked with identifying like new models and new ways of doing businesses, of, of setting up your business. Um, and a lot about it was sort of thinking, you know, how can we set up the end-to-end -end customer experience um, to make it, you know, sort of a more favorable interaction for both parties. So as part of this, I got to, I had the fortune of being able to talk to a lot of really high-level decision makers in these businesses. And these businesses were anything from like, uh, you know, food and bev, finance, um, a lot of retail, things like that. Um, and it became clear to me through these conversations that, um, and this was, uh, I guess, five or six years ago now. And at this time, e-commerce was sort of a, a new paradigm in terms of the way that consumers were purchasing goods. And a lot of companies, even like really well-established companies, were very much sort of feeling around in the dark and trying to figure out, you know, how exactly to harness the power of the channel. Um and what came out of this, you know, for me was realizing that there was a pretty common strategy among the companies that were doing it well. And that strategy was to vertically integrate um, and sort of use the power of that direct one-to-one -one relationship with their customer to help them inform product decisions. Um, and after sort of realizing that, it felt very clear to me that this was the way that retail was moving. Um, it was a great way to mitigate a lot of risk in the business, but certainly when starting up, I think that, you know, for a business like Glade, if you're trying to get sort of a lot of traction early, 
the direct to consumer model in my mind is like the only way you should do it. There's no reason to do it anyway else. Um, and the big sort of, I, I guess the most important part of that model is eliminating that cost layer that's inherent in other retail processes. So, um, it wasn't really like an epiphany aha moment that I had. It was more just being around skiing and snowboarding my entire life and recognizing that, you know, this buying process really sucks right now. And I bet I could improve it. Um, you know, it's the direct consumer. It's not really a new model. I'm not reinventing the wheel, but I think I am sort of bringing it to the snow sports industry, which is super exciting for me. Um, so, you know, with all that knowledge, I basically just sort of went for it. Um, and it's been a hundred percent bootstrapped ever since. That's interesting. It's, it's very similar to who I'm sure you're familiar with Jason Leventhal with Jay skis, where he, he does that with his skis where it's all direct to consumer, no retail shops, and it allows him to keep the cost down quite a bit to offer a ski for you know, 550, 600 bucks when in a retail shop they'd be like 900, 800, even a thousand bucks. Um, so it's interesting yeah. because it used to be like the, the word of thought, the thought was, well, if people can't see, touch, hold your product, they're not going to buy it, right? And in the last couple of years, I feel like that's really been proven wrong and that if you set things up right and you do it you do your marketing appropriately and you create that um, sense of trust it can solve that problem and you can have a very successful business and sell a lot of product online and with you obviously you're you're offering goggles and sunglasses at um, a much cheaper uh, offering than in a retail shop but they're just as good quality so I think um, it's very interesting now I wanted to pivot a little bit and ask you about the process of prototyping your goggles right so you you introduced the goggles first and then you recently now have um, sunglasses in, in addition what was it like going through that process of okay I want to create awesome um, goggles that compete with you know Smith optics and the other big players in the industry not yeah. sacrifice quality and all that. So how, how did you go about it? Yeah. Um, so what's actually interesting about that, uh, Jay skis, the way that they've set it up is that, um, what's super cool is that I think for a long time, there was like a feeling that it's hard to really promote a high quality product through an e-commerce channel. Like you said, if you can't touch it, but if you look at what Jay skis is doing, like those skis are amazing. Those are top of the line skis and they're selling like crazy. Like I see, I see them on the mountain and everyone raves about them and you know, I be selling them online. And I think even four or five years ago, that was something that was like totally not doable. Um, but to answer your question, um, the prototyping process and the product development process, um, is in my mind, like totally priority number one. Um, and I'm sure you know this and your listeners probably know this too, but like the ski tribe and the ski community is a fiery one. Like they're an amazing community to have support from, but you really got to get it right. Like you can't really bullshit these guys into like giving them a subpar product. So when I was setting up the business and going through the process, um, to me, it was a, you know, non-starter that I needed to have like the best product I could get my hands on. Um, given the resources that I had at the time. So the sort of initial prototyping and product development plan was basically just a ton of super awkward Skype conversations with suppliers. Um, I mean, this process, I probably worked on this for like a year and a half before I even sold a single goggle because I was so paranoid about getting it right. Um, 
I would have these conversations with suppliers because, you know, I didn't really understand this at the time, but I definitely got a feel for it over these conversations. There's a really wide spectrum in terms of the actual quality of gear you can get. Um, I think that because people have access to uh, a lot of these manufacturers now that there's a lot of like pretty bad ones that are slipping through the cracks. So you have to be, or I had to be really diligent about it. Um, and I had a set of criteria for suppliers that I wanted to work with. Um, and it was, you know, a lot of making sure that we had sort of our priorities aligned and a mutual understanding of like what a quality product is and how I'm going to get it made, et cetera. Um, so, you know, I've, after this like year and a half long process, I finally, um, found a manufacturer that, you know, I was willing to work with me that was pumping out like really, really quality prototypes. Um, and they were receptive to changes I was making, um, things like that. So for me, the prototyping process, um, personally is like, I need to actually be wearing these goggles for like at least a few days on the mountain before I'd even consider selling them. Um, I think the first, run i had in when was this winter of 2015 um i ordered you know like a couple dozen pairs basically as a test for me and anyone i knew who skied i sent them these this pair and was basically like wear these for the next month and then tell me what you think of it um and after that whole long process um, it became clear that like this was going to be a good path to go down. Um, so once I got that initial model sort of down pat and realized like, okay, I can go to market with this. I can start to figure out what people like and dislike, um, that pivoted in a way to, um, involving customers and customer feedback in a ton of the prototyping process. So after I made it through that first winter and basically like proved out the model and proved out um, the fact that, you know, people, people are willing to buy goggles online, that they don't have to necessarily touch it, et cetera. Um, it was, I started this program where I basically, I send out an email to anyone who's bought a pair of goggles from me, um, in the past, you know, X months. And I say, A, like, Hey, what do you think of them? B, uh, if you were going to change anything, what would you change? And C, um, is there any other product or anything that you is, has like caught your eye or you think is super interesting, um, like, let me know. And that's a great way for me to open up the dialogue with people who are actually like on the ground using the goggles and skiing every day. And from that, um, I basically synthesize all that information and work with a designer to like then prototype and create another model based on all of that feedback. Um, so it's not like a, it's not an easy process, but for me, it, it makes sense for me to put and place an inordinate amount of time on that process, you know, and prioritize that over other things. Definitely. Okay. So now you have the product prototyped and created, and you've got an idea of what your first, um, pair of goggles are going to be and, and what you're going to be offering your consumers. Then what happened? How, how did you build up your customer base and start building your online business? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I went into it knowing that I was going to have to, market test it pretty heavily. I think, um, in order to make something like this work, you have to be really confident in sort of like the math of the business. So once I had the prototype and I had the model and I was ready to, you know, sort of pull the trigger on it, um, I did an initial production run, super small, like couple hundred pairs, um, basically with the idea that I'm going to take, you know, as little risk as possible in starting this to try to figure out like, 
does the does it work from a marketing and from a distribution standpoint? So with these goggles and hands, my sort of philosophy was I'm going to try to do as much sort of like throwing stuff against the wall as I can and pursuing marketing channels that are working. So whether it was social or, you know, event advertising or outdoor advertising, whatever it was, I was really willing to throw a little bit of money at each of them and see and try to figure out which would be a profitable avenue to go down. Um, and once I basically essentially spent the first winter figuring that out, like, okay, if I were to go big with this, um, what would that look like? How would I scale it? Where would I put each dollar? Because when I, when you're bootstrapping, like I did with Glade, you have to be really diligent about where you spend each dollar. You can't really be spending it willy nilly, which is a, a pro and a con in a way, because you have to um, think things through. Um, but it was really sort of a story of figuring out where the profitable marketing channels were, how I was going to find customers and acquire them at a profitable price, if that makes sense. What were the most profitable marketing channels that you discovered in that first year or so? Yeah. So first year was definitely social. Um, we have a pretty big Instagram following. Um, and what we've done that I think is a bit different is we, feature people who are actually wearing our gear. Like we're not throwing up pictures of like someone hucking a 30 foot backflip on our Instagram. And I think that involving like people who are actually wearing the goggles in the sort of marketing and imagery part of that has been super helpful. What's funny though, is that as the business has grown, you know, we're, we're seeing other channels become more profitable than that social channel. So it's kind of like a story of, constantly trying to figure out, um, you know, the moving parts of the business because for a lot of industries and especially an industry like ski goggles and sunglasses, they're getting super saturated, uh, with social advertising. Like I know that every time I go on Instagram, I'm bombarded with like an ad every three pictures. Um, and there's a lot of companies in that space, which is driving up the cost. So, um, I've had to get creative with the way that we try to actually like get our name out there because at the end of the day, that's the goal, right? Like we have a tribe of really fiercely loyal brand advocates, but it's a small tribe. So that sort of next step in the business is figuring out how can we then scale that tribe and get that word out to be more of a household name in the ski industry. Right. Okay. So when you started, um, you're saying social was the big influence. So is it Instagram specifically, or is it more of like a combination? It's a combination. I mean, we tried a bunch of different things. Um, like we found that, you know, video tends to work really well on Instagram, but there might be a different image or copy combination that is uh, working better with Facebook. Um, you know, we tried, we've, we've tried essentially every social Avenue you can imagine. Um, I think, skiing is inherently a very visual sport. So Instagram works well for it because it's like really cool to see shots of people on the mountain, you know, if you're just sort of ripping through Instagram. Right, right, right. So I guess, um, the strategy was, okay, let's, let's get a bunch of people in the outdoor industry wearing and using our product. Let's get a bunch of photos and content around that. And then obviously promoting it and sharing it on social. And then did you send people to sort of just the, the store and let people sort of just do it on their own? Did you try and capture like their emails and then slowly um, build that trust and, and get the sale that way? Or how did it work from there? 
Yeah, a lot of what we focused on was, I think you sort of alluded to it, is building that social proof. Um, we knew that like, it's inherently hard to get people to try a new brand if they don't know anyone who is wearing that brand. So for a company like Blade that relies heavily on that sort of like brand perception, um, getting that social proof of having that imagery up there of other people wearing the goggles, et cetera, was super important. And what we would do is basically, um, you know, drive as much traffic directly to the website as we could because we uh, focus pretty heavily on creating language and sort of like a certain aesthetic on the landing page that said, like, hey, here's who we are. Here's what we do differently. Um, here are the type of people that are wearing the goggles. Um, because it's going to be hard to sort of like, like we didn't want to drive people straight to the product page because, you know, they don't know anything about the business. And in our mind, if you're buying a pair of Glades, you know, you're really sort of buying into a certain set of values as well. And that's important that we communicate that to people. Right, right, of course. Now, along this journey, did you have any mentors that helped you get from the original idea to where you are now being full time and having a, a growing business? Yeah, I don't have like one specific mentor that I can point to. I'm super lucky in that I have a really good network of friends and family who uh, are supportive and knowledgeable about specific areas of the business um, and willing to connect me with people, you know, that are important for various stages of the, you know, life of the business. Because, you know, at the end of the day, I'm very much a generalist um, and I think it helps to have people to go to for advice in certain areas um, or just generally bounce ideas off of. Um, and what I've found is that people are super willing to help out. If I learned anything from doing this, it's that um, like people are so great about, you know, supporting you and really understanding like, Hey, this is a big undertaking and a risk and I'm willing to help you out in any way I can. I'm willing to connect you with X, Y, Z or give you feedback. Um, because getting feedback is really hard, especially objective feedback. Everyone, you know, if you ask a friend, you know, hey, what do you think of this pair of goggles? They're going to want to tell you, oh, it's a great looking pair of goggles. So finding people who are willing to give me objective feedback is really, really important to me. And I definitely have found like a small group of people who are good at, you know, various parts of the business that I'm just not very knowledgeable about. Um, and what's, what's actually great about Glade and the ski sort of industry in general is that I have people that I'm in contact with and that help me out um, simply because I like happen to be sitting next to them on a chairlift and, and they asked me about the goggles and we started talking about it. You know, it's inherently like a social uh, activity and anytime someone asks me about the goggles on the lift, it, you know, it sparks those types of conversations. Actually, I don't know if we've talked about this. This is how I became familiar with you guys. I was sitting uh, in line for a lift at Keystone Resort in Colorado, and a guy tapped me on the shoulder and was like, "Hey, man, those are some cool goggles. Where'd you get them?" And I gave him the whole spiel, and he name dropped you guys and said, "Hey, I have a really good buddy who started Ready Yeti." Yeah, no, it's, it's so funny how that sort of happens. Like it, it when you said that with uh, sitting on a lift and someone would start just talking to you, um, I'd be like, "Yeah, I, I, I'm thinking about the amount of times I've done that." Where like. Um, uh, wearing some gear that I got from one of the brands um, that we yeah. work with. It, like, for example, like I, I, I have a pair of uh, slant skis and I've got a sweet bamboo veneer as the top sheet. Um, and they're like 120 underfoot and they're just 
a huge ski and there's so much fun to ride and every time I'm on a lift if I'm riding the single lines the line or if I'm up there with like one buddy and like someone from the singles line hops on they're just like dude what are those skis and then I pick up like the base of it and I've got like we I've got a custom graphic with them where it's like a, a Ready Yeti slant ski collaborative and like oh dude that's sick what's Ready Yeti and then we start talking and then all of a sudden you know we just made a nice connection <laughs> It's so yeah, funny how that works. Wearing 120 underfoot, that's going to you know catch some attention. Yeah, <laughs> that's for damn sure. But yeah, no, it's so crazy, small world. Like when when you sent me that email, I was like, it was right when we were first starting out. So like we were maybe like four or five months old, and like when you said that, I was just like, whoa, really? <laughs> that's yeah. kind of awesome. But um, yeah, like it's. Uh, it's always nice, especially like you're saying with in the ski and snowboard industry, really just the outdoor industry in general. Yeah, it's a very close knit community, and they're very willing to help uh, if they can in any way. And and people are always, especially if you're doing something interesting or unique, um, they're they're more than happy to help. Uh, whether it's give you feedback or introduce you to someone, which I think is such a nice aspect of of the industry that we're in. Totally agree. Now to uh, to take a quick little pivot um i wanted to go back to sort of the manufacturing aspect of it and obviously you spent a lot of time prototyping i wanted to ask you more specifically um in your commitment to sustainability and making sure that uh the goggles and eyewear that you're producing is sustainably made yeah so the reality of the ski goggle sort of market is that finding a green ski goggle or one that's you know 100 percent eco-friendly is next to impossible i think that if you're looking you know you're not going to find a bamboo goggle that's also going to protect you when you smash into a tree type thing Um, it's really really challenging for hard goods especially like goggles and skis and helmets um to do that sustainably that said um we you know sustainability has been a huge part of my life for a really long time and i know that um in the industry that I'm in and the customer base that I have that generally skews younger, sustainability is, you know, more important than ever. So when going through the process of, you know, manufacturing and finding, you know, where we're going to get our goods and that kind of thing, um, I'm super diligent about making sure that nothing is contracted out to subcontractors, meaning that like we know exactly where our products are coming from and that we've come to a mutual understanding with our suppliers that like, Hey, this is what we consider like fair business. You know, this is, we agree on, um, you know, sort of the general outlook of like how to get things done because, you know, I don't, I don't know if I realized this before, but I definitely realize it now like there's a really wide range of ways to do something like this and you can, you can sort of go down a couple different paths. And the path that I've always stuck to is making sure that like, Hey, we're going to do this the right way. We're not going to like do anything that I would not feel comfortable doing in terms of sustainability or making sure that, you know, everything that we are giving our customers is something that they would be proud to tell someone else on the lift. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. It's it's interesting when you get into the manufacturing business, you sort of realize how difficult it is to create a product that is sustainable, and then you realize like, okay, you don't want to sacrifice quality, so you got to sort of meet somewhere in the middle, um, and then keep an eye out and keep progressing to make sure in any aspect that you can, you you cut down on 
on the impact, right? Exactly. Yeah, wait, it, it's totally funny too because skiing, like as an activity in general, I, I struggle with this all the time. It's like pretty hard on the environment in terms of all the people on the mountain and all the traffic it takes to get there and, you know, all the gear that you're wearing. So I think the position that I've taken is, you know, what's great about skiing is that it gets people outdoors and aware that, you know, it's an important, you know, part of our lives. And I think that is really sort of building that awareness is really, really great in terms of like, you know, how we can actually affect change. That's so true. That's so true. Okay, so when you first started this business, you were based in, you're originally from the Boston area and skied a lot in the Mad River Valley. Um, then once things started to get moving, you, you made the move to Colorado, to Denver. Um, what is it, what is the, the daily um, sort of grind look like for you um, with, with Glade? Yeah, it's, uh, well, obviously totally different every day. Um, and changes certainly changes as the seasons, uh, you know, go by right now. Um, I am focusing a ton of my time and effort in releasing this new goggle model that we have coming out this winter. Um, that really sort of took up the past, you know, three, four months of my time. It really was, you know, basically my main focus. Um, but a lot of it, interestingly enough, is interacting with, people who are curious about the brand, which I really like. So there is certainly like a lot of, you know, the administrative type stuff, you know, making sure that the accounting's above board and making sure their suppliers are in line. But um, what's happening more and more as the grand, as the brand grows is I'm getting to talk to people who are curious about what we're doing. And that, I guess I hadn't thought about it in, when I started, but now that, you know, we're gaining a ton of traction, it's so interesting. You know, I love, because not all the feedback's good. Like you'll get feedback from people um, who are saying, "Oh man, this is a seventy-five dollar pair of goggles. Like this must be a piece of garbage." And you have to sort of, or I have to at least recognize, like, you know, it's not a personal attack on me. You know, as much as I view Glade as like a reflection of my creative energy, um, I have to sort of balance that um, feeling with like, "Hey, it's just something new that people aren't used to." So that for me has been. In terms of the day-to-day, that's been like a really sort of fun new step in the business. Yeah, you know, once you start interacting with your consumer base, it is, you realize the value and the the good that you're doing, right? Um, And seeing how it like gets people excited. Um, And then obviously on the other end, when you're, when you have some customers or followers that maybe don't have any they might have an issue right and then dealing with that like you said it's like you take it as like almost a personal attack <laughs> exactly. like, like i know i do that like when someone would send something like regarding anything where they just had some sort of issue you know what i mean i'd get i'd get upset over it um, oh yeah you know what i mean and then taking the time and working through it and making sure that they're satisfied at the end of the day is, is important to to me but also just the idea of um being able to remove yourself from it and realize that like you're not perfect and that you're going to make mistakes regardless of how far into the business you are, whether you're a year in, five years, 10 years, whatever, you're going you're gonna to mess up from time to time. And as long as you're transparent and honest with your customers, I, it, it, it makes it a lot easier to swallow, I guess. Yeah, I totally agree. I know that when I was first starting out, every like even slightly negative comment I saw, it would like 
keep me down for days. I'd just be devastated. You know, like, why doesn't this person like late? Like, what am I doing wrong? I thought this was a great new way to do things. Um, and, you know, slowly I realized, like, you know, there's going to be roadblocks and there's going to be stuff like this and you can't let it beat you down. Exactly. So what what has been one of the hardest parts about starting Glade? Oh, man, there's so much. Um, I, well, I think uh, the comment I made before about the value perception, you know, I think people inherently think that a cheaper goggle is going to be of lower quality. And it's been, you know, I, this is certainly like idiosyncratic to Glade, but that has been really hard to overcome. Just convincing people like, no, it's cheaper because we're not selling in retail shops, not because we're like giving you a worse product. Um, so that's, that's been really hard. I think, um, interestingly, what's been hard for me is that I'm by nature, a pretty introverted person and starting a business, especially a business like this, there's a lot of need for like extroversion and not like networking is the wrong term, but like talking to people and getting people's perspective, et cetera. So it's been, it's been an interesting like personal experience for me to sort of figure out like, okay, just cause I'm not super comfortable doing things like this doesn't mean that I can't be good at it or that I shouldn't do it more. Um, but that I, in terms of like what I was thinking about would be hard. That came out of nowhere. I didn't really think that, um, you know, I would have to be as sort of vocal and as, you know, out there and as yeah, part of the brand as I am. Right. Of course. Now along this journey, what would you say have been some of your biggest fears of Glade? Um, my, my immediate fear is always with production issues. So whenever I get that shipment of like this season's goggles or this season's sunglasses, whatever it is, you know, my heart is pounding as I'm opening that box, you know, like I need to know that things have come out okay and that everything's up to like the specs that I, you know, went through and all that. Um, because you know, the business is really seasonal and the lead times are really long so if I were to get a production run that wasn't up to par or wasn't something that I felt comfortable passing on to a customer, like that would, that would crush the season, which would probably crush the year. You know, it would be something that would be really hard to recover from. So like that is 100% my most immediate fear. Yeah, you know, in, in manufacturing, it definitely can because you have a lot of money tied up in that, right? And then at the same time, yeah. you're like, I obviously don't want to offer a, a defective product to consumers. So it's just, you know, adding as many steps in that process to prevent that from happening uh, is really important. And it's, it can be, there's definitely a learning curve involved. Yeah, and having all that capital tied up in inventory is a nightmare. Oh, yeah. One of the reasons why I never started a manufacturing business. <laughs> <laughs> um okay so what what have been some of the biggest mistakes that you've made with glade uh i think in the beginning um i was pretty convinced that customization was going to be a huge selling point and a super important part of the product that we delivered so for context the first winter that i did this um i basically offered it was a crazy amount of SKUs. There was like six different strap color options, like five different lens options, a couple different frame options, um, which in my mind, I was like, oh, great. I'm going to be able to pitch this as, um, you know, you can create your own unique pair. It'll be a reflection of your personality, et cetera. But in reality, this just created a ton of complexity 
And it was a lot of complexity for basically a few more SKUs that were not a significant portion of the revenue. So obviously not every SKU is going to be a bestseller. And what I found was basically like, okay, there's five of these that everyone's buying. And the next 15, there's like 3% of people that are buying, but it's adding another 60% of time for me to actually like figure out all the complexity in the, on the back end of it. Um, so that was, I think in the first, the first winter I did this, that was, I don't know if it was a mistake as much as it was just like a really incorrect assumption that I probably should have tested beforehand. Yeah, but those are the best ways to learn, you know? Like, yeah. if you didn't do that, I'm sure right now you'd be like, man, I really want to add that customization feature to it, right? Oh, yeah. And, and now that you know, you're like, okay, clearly that's not quite the right thing to be doing right now. Maybe once we uh, grow to a certain point where, you know, 5 10% of sales is worth it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And making mistakes now is a lot less expensive than making mistakes in a few years, right? Oh, yeah. Always is. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so... Uh, along this journey, obviously, you've, you've learned so much in how to build a business and create a product and um, build a tribe. So I wanted to ask, what advice would you give to someone that was looking to start a business, uh, whether it was in the eyewear or really just the outdoor uh, industry um, in general? Yeah, um, I'll caveat this piece of advice with saying that my primary advice is that it's very easy to get caught in the loop of like reading a ton of content and trying to figure out, you know, okay, how am I going to start this? How am I going to do it? And like doing a ton of analysis and reading books, listening to, you know, uh, whatever it is. And I think that it's important that you actually get down to like the doing and not get caught in the loop of just always looking for like that next piece of content because I get, I did this a lot actually, and it drove me insane is where I would just like try to over optimize everything. But in reality, what you should do is just go for it and see if it works, because that's going to save you a lot of time and a lot of energy at the end of the day. Um, that said, if I had like an ancillary piece of advice, um, this is kind of a hot take. I think that just because you're passionate about something doesn't necessarily make it a good fit for a business. And what I mean by that is like, I'm certainly passionate about skiing, but it doesn't mean that I'm also going to be passionate about like email marketing or financial modeling, but I'm doing those things a lot more like those two things are a lot more important to the business than my ability to ski. Right. Like I'd probably be skiing a lot more if I didn't start Glade. I'd certainly have a lot more time on my hands. So I think that being like passionate about an industry or a sport can like really help illuminate problems to solve. But, you know, don't expect for your love for the sport or the, like the activity to translate into like the love for building that particular business because it's like a totally different animal. Yeah. I, you know, it's when you start a business, like I've heard some people say that exact like thing, like a ton of times. And before I actually started a business, I was like, yeah, 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 sure, sure. You know, passion's great, but, you know, it's more than that. And then hey, now building a business, I'm sort of like, yeah, that's, uh, that makes so much more sense now. <laughs> exactly. You know, like I, it's really like, I love skiing too, right? That's really, that's my main sport. It's what I love doing. If I could be doing anything on a daily basis, it would be that, right? Um, and that's what led me to starting Ready Yeti. But 
um, it goes beyond that, right? Like if it was just a love for skiing, I would never have spent the last two years building this business. And right. like a good chunk of my time is spent on email. Yep. You know, time-sucking, soul-sucking email, <laughs> you know? And, like, unfortunately, that's just the way of it. And the reason I'll stay up till 1230 in the morning responding to emails or waking up early or spending 16 hours in front of my computer is because it, it's more than just skiing, right? It's the idea of helping... Um, startups, like-minded people who have a drive to give back, creating a positive change in the outdoor space, really just in the world in general and creating that sense of community. It's, it's that right there that makes me work so hard. And then obviously the bonus of loving skiing and loving being outside, while I'm not doing very much of it right now, <laughs> the goal is to be doing a lot more of it in the future and helping people do it more, right? Um, which it, it's... It's hard to convey that to someone who's never done it before, but for someone who has done it before, right away, they're just like, yeah, I, yep, I totally, I get that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think you really have to have like the drive and the conviction to, like you said, like either like change something dramatically or, you know, be helping out other people or businesses like you guys are. Like you have to have, that is what you need to have rather than a drive or conviction or passion for like a particular activity. Yeah, and it's really it comes down to picking your um, your your pain almost right, or your your uh, um, your crosses for lack of a better word that's like escaping me right now, right? But like your struggles, I guess. Really, you, you pick yeah. your struggles, and w- with building a business, you realize that um, the pain of working sixteen hours a day or having customers tell me tell you your product sucks while you're working on it and trying to make it better, right? Those those dilemmas, right? You're choosing that and it's worth it to you and to me and anyone else who's building a business where they clearly um, really give a crap about what they're trying to build. So I, I think that's that's really important. And there's really the only one way to find out if you've got it is if you, uh, you know, when you're forced to spend that much time working or doing things that are not as gl- as glamorous, you, you stick through it. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. I think so much of it is less like your ability to problem solve and more like your ability to basically just like persevere through a ton of bullshit exactly exactly all right so what's the best part about running glade optics uh oh man it's just so fulfilling like day in and day out um like i 100 percent believe that what i'm doing with glade can like reshape the industry in the way that people buy gear um, and really sort of change the way that the market and customers interact with, you know, the brands they buy from and to get reinforcement on that from like emails and messages from customers, even people on the mountain, like that's so amazing. Like that is what, when I, when I think about like, especially when I'm like in a really difficult moment with the business and I'm like, ah, like this is just like so draining and it's so hard, um, you know, to like make this work in the way I want it to. I, that's what I always come back to is thinking like there's a ton of people out there and there's like, um, you know, a lot of people who are really willing to help and, you know, really willing to get behind the business and getting that reinforcement is amazing. You know, I love, you know, heading down the mountain and seeing someone wearing glades, you know, blow past me or, you know, something like that, where I just sort of get this little reminder, like, okay, like what I'm doing is like what I set out to do initially, I'm actually like making a difference and reshaping this industry. Um, because it's really something that has become like a total 
obsession of mine. It's all consuming. It's like a massive part of my life day in and day out. Like there's no, no turning it off. Um, so, you know, I really just like figuring out like, what's the next goal? What do I need to do to get there? What are the risks? That type of thing. Um, it just, it sounds lame, but it's stuff like that that like gets me going. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. Of course. Now I want to ask you what's in store for the future in the next year, five years, 10 years, if you've thought about it. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a vision of Glade as this like scrappy ski brand that's really well positioned to seize that everyday skier category. Um, and I think that we're doing that really well through our messaging and, you know, developing that tribe of really loyal brand advocates. Um, so in, in the next like, you know, X years for me, I think the top priority is basically just figuring out, okay, you know, how did we achieve this success that we've had and how do we then scale that? Um, and I think a lot of that is building towards being a more well-known brand, um, in ski circles. I think we are like super good at hitting that sort of niche area that we've created for ourselves. Um, but you know, I'd really like to sort of expand beyond that niche circle because really sort of my running philosophy up till now has basically been like, I can prove this out. Um, but you know, up to a certain extent. And then I really need to like bring people on board who are heavily involved in the industry and like, you know, know the ins and outs of the outdoor industry and more specifically skiing and snowboarding and retail expertise and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, I'd love to get more people involved who have deep expertise in the business. Definitely. Well, I'm excited to, uh, to see what you guys do in the future. And, and for listeners that want to keep tabs on, on what you're doing with Glade and, and the progression and, and um, what you guys do in the future, where's the best place for them to do that? Yeah, so I think um, our Instagram channel is uh, where we're most active. We're at Glade Optics. Um, you can check out our website if you want to see any new gear we've got up there. It's uh, shopglade.com. And if anyone wants to just like reach out to me and ask me questions, um, you know, I always love doing stuff like that. My email is kurt at gladegoggles.com. Awesome. And, and for anyone listening right now, between the month of October, you can head over to readyeddy.com as we're doing a uh, pretty big winter giveaway with, uh, with Glade and a, a number of other startups in the snow sports industry, um, a few of which are, are Gilson Snowboards. Um, we're going to be giving away a pair of their snowboards and, and a few uh, Glade uh, goggles. And um, so you can head over to Ready Eddy for your chance to win that. And with that, Kurt, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, chat with me and share your story. I love uh, connecting with uh, like-minded people and uh, seeing all the awesome things that you've been up to. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Really appreciate it. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Eddy Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.